You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Whittingham. Now that you found us, make sure that you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider. Now, if you have found us on iTunes or Google Play, those are typically the two that most people find us on, whether you're Apple or Android. But we're also on a bunch of other apps. We're on Podbean, we're on CastBox, we're on Pocket Cast. Uh, we're also on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, which I know a lot of people use, and we've just been added to TuneIn. So you can find us just about anywhere. We are unavoidable, just like bad Dolphins performances. We are absolutely <laughs> unavoidable. You will find us just about everywhere. Also, check out the other podcasts in our network. We're now up to 15 podcasts. That includes our new boxing MMA podcast, Out for the Count. And actually, that's a good podcast to have when you have something that happened like on Saturday night between Fury and Wilder. Right? You know, Tyson Fury made, to me, the best comeback we've seen recently, best recovery other than Derrick Rose and Jalen Hurts. I think, I think he's right up there with him. He got up. Those are the comeback the- stories of the year, aren't they? The two best comeback stories, but Tyson Fury had to come back like literally from the dead in the 12th round. <laughs> We're like, of, if, if of there was fight. a different referee counting a different way, then he's yes. probably done. Yes, he's probably done, but then he sh- should have won the fight anyway, and they, they didn't give him the fight. So anyway, check well, out I, our new I, podcast. I had, I had Deontay Wilder on Bet DS High, so I'm more than happy with, how, with, with, yeah, with the sure. outcome. Fixed, totally fixed. <laughs> you know, it's funny. They were comparing it to the Lewis Holyfield fight. I actually covered that fight um, in, in Madison Square Garden. I had my laptop stolen that night. Really? Uh, but all, yes, yes, yes. What, what, was I, the, what was the biggest fight you covered? Probably that, yeah. Probably yeah. Uh, Lewis. I love, Holyfield I love big Evan. fights. Big fights are like it. I covered uh, we, you and I covered together the uh, the the Pacquiao Bradley fight. Yes, and yes. It, like I just have so much fun at fights. Not because you know it's I've, I'm bloodthirsty or anything, but because the crowd is so into it. They're all yes. paying attention, and it's just such a fun atmosphere. I love it. Well, it's also great to cover because athletes, uh, of all the athletes, boxers are more most prone to say interesting stuff, right? right. Because it's, it's, they have, they have to it, sell it, literally they have sell, to sell it. Sell it. it. It's part of the gig. Um, but yeah, Lewis Holyfield was something, and it was totally. I mean, Lennox Lewis was absolutely robbed. But check out the Out for the Count podcast. Also check out our other new podcast, the Chamber Podcast, that is with Chris. Chambers, former Dolphins receiver, one of their top five receivers all time in yards and receptions. He's now hosting a fitness performance concept with Shea Tab and Zach Duarte. They are dropping another episode actually the same morning that we are. So check that one out on our network. And also this week, I'm going to recommend this one. Um, check out the fish tank. If you have not yet, OJ McDuffie and Seth Levitt have a bunch of former Dolphins in there with them on a weekly basis. We actually taped this one. Uh, you and I, both we were both there, Chris, at Ella mm-hmm. Cafe and Plantation. It's a great spot. And Mark Clayton, I think, went on for two hours. Um, 
you know, including calling Don Shula the fat man. So that is definitely an episode. <laughs> there were many, 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 many F-bombs as well, if you're uh, into uh, F-bombs. Yeah. Yes, MF-bombs. Uh, lots of MF-bombs <laughs> with a lot of three- and five-year-olds running around. I'm glad my daughter did not attend that one. That was, that was an X-rated uh, enterprise, but check out that podcast. But for now, listen to our podcast, and we're going to talk about the Dolphins because we're contractually obligated to do so. We decided before the season we were going to recap every game both Chris and I were at the stadium today at Hard Rock Stadium, so feel sorry for us uh, to have to watch <laughs> another of these Dolphins performances. And what we're going to do today, they did win, by the way. They're 6-6. Six and six. I just yeah. wrote a column for Dolphin Maven. The title was, They're Not Good, They're Not Dead, um, which I, I think should be the slogan of the season. They're in the playoff chase, and we're going to talk about them first, but we're also going to talk about the four other teams that are in the chase with them. And, and, I, and, not, only are, wanna... and not only are they in the chase, but you can make the argument based off of the two games in which they had double-digit second-half leads that they could ha- have a better record than they do now. Despite the fact that I agree with you, I don't think that they're good, yet they can feel hard done by that their record isn't better. Yes, yes. Well, that's true. Well, I, I'm not going to call it a chase anymore. It's not a chase. It's not a race. It's a crawl. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that's how we should refer to it uh, from here forward. But let's start with the Dolphins and their uh, performance today. I'm going to put that in quotes. They somehow won a game against the Bills, although they were outgained 415 to 175. Now, I've been I've been talking all year about how this is, you know, arguably the worst offense in Miami Dolphins history and more context here this is the worst yardage performance today okay so as bad as it's been this today was the worst yardage performance of the Gase era 175 yards this is now the third time this season so all the Jay Cutler talk and the Matt Moore talk this with Ryan Tannehill today at home I know the Bills defense is pretty decent but at home pretty decent it's actually really good it's very good but with Ryan Tannehill at home, you know, typically the Dolphins have been pretty decent with that combination with Gase. Uh, they they did put up 21 points, but had 175 yards and, again, were doubled, more than doubled in yardage. This is now the third time this season, Chris, that they put up fewer than 200 yards. All three of those games against AFC East opponents. They've now won two of those games. They beat the Jets <laughs> and they beat the Bills, putting up fewer than 200 yards. and this is my point on that. Okay. And I don't want to make this a gay spashing pot again. This was not a gay catastrophe like the previous week, although it was close because that third and one call, which you and I are sure going to debate, but they've lost the three, not lost, but they've put up fewer than 200 yards, three times against AFC East teams. Those are the teams that know you the best, the teams in your division. Yeah. Those are the teams that know your tendencies. And so I did a little poking around the Bills locker room afterwards. I didn't go to the Dolphin locker room until the end. I went to the Bills locker room and talked to some players. Not really impressed with the Bill, with the Dolphin scheme. Not impressed. Um, I mean, there were a couple of guys who said, yeah, they threw some things at us early that we weren't expecting. But after that, everything was pretty much on tape. So I think what we're seeing here is that the teams that have a chance to scout Adam Gase – and his offense, because it is his offense, um, are able to shut down that offense pretty easily. And the Bills did that today. And so you get out gain more than two to one. So I guess the question then is, how did you win the game? Right. And, and, and I, I frankly can't really figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, I watched all of it, um, and I still don't know how it happened. I mean, Kenny Stills 
made a terrific catch in the end zone. I mean, that's one of the, the toughest catches you'll see, you know, basically double covered. I mean, Tannehill threw it into double and coverage. Snatched, snatched, and snatched a touchdown from an interception. Like it looked right. far more likely that the DB was going to catch that. Correct. Okay. They gave up 135 rushing yards to Josh Allen on nine carries. So on nine carries, Josh Allen had 40 fewer yards than the Dolphins had on 50 plays. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I, I mean, so, I mean, and again, Josh Allen is known. He was drafted not for his legs, although he was, it was said he was somewhat mobile. No, but and, and he, ran, he ran the ball for 99 yards last week against Jacksonville. So, right. so this, this right. is a theme. Right. He, he has, right. He, well, this is what we expected with Tannehill, right? Like mm-hmm. before the knee surgery and everything else. Uh, but he was, he was, he was drafted for that rocket arm that threw the ball 68 yards on one throw today. And we were behind, you know, where we sit is behind one of the end zones. And I mean, Allen uncorked that. And I thought it was going to go into the sixth row. Okay. I mean, I mean, this is a guy who he could probably throw it 80 yards in the air. Right. Like it didn't feel like one of those where it was a hail Mary and you reach all the way down and you put all of your power into it and you throw it as far as you can. That felt like a normal throw that he just flipped and it went 68 yards in the air. Like, I can understand, and you can see, like, even some of the throws that were incomplete passes today, why scouts fall in love with Josh Allen and why at every level it's like, okay, we'll give him a chance. We'll see if we, like, you talk, we've talked before about quarterback egos and, I'm sorry, coach egos and thinking that they can fix players. Well, you have to imagine a lot of offensive coaches look at Josh Allen and go, I can fix that. I, I, I can take that arm and I can do something with it. But I, I just, from a throwing standpoint, I just don't see it. I've been shocked at how much he's been able to run the ball. I, I genuinely thought when he was coming into the league that he was a stiff, and that just shows that I frankly didn't watch him nearly enough as I should have, and I, I wrote him off after basically one half of one game against Oregon that I saw. I still think he has wild accuracy problems. Oh, yeah. They're going to stop him from being a good quarterback, but from a running standpoint, from a throwing standpoint, you can see how scouts, how scouts fall in love with that. Well, because look, I mean, it's the he has the highest potential of anybody who was drafted this year. Now he also has the highest chance of failure, and in some ways, it's a little like a Jamarcus Russell or a little like a Ryan Leaf. Like those are the worst case scenarios, right? Like although those guys, although it seems like like Josh Allen is not nearly the mental problem right, that those two right, guys right, were. That those two guys were okay. So maybe let's look at a David Klingler to go back sure. further, right? David Klingler could absolutely throw the ball seventy yards with ease, okay, but couldn't make accurate throws. And he was out of he was a first round pick who was out of the NFL pretty quickly. So uh, and we see a lot of those guys that kind of they go. I mean, and it doesn't end up working out. Then you see a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who has a rocket, gets with the right coach, clearly has instincts for the position. And the Chiefs have now scored at least 26 points in 17 consecutive games. Okay, and including a 40 point game today. I mean, they just lost, you know, what was the league's leading rusher last year? And it was like, oh, whatever. Okay, and we'll just (laughs) well, Spencer Spencer Ware in there and everything is fine and everything is fine. Okay. I mean, you know, meanwhile, I've got, you know, the Dolphins fans are, oh, we lost Danny Abadola. Okay. I, so, I, you know, that's, I mean, <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, it's getting a little ridiculous. And, and I do want to say one thing on that before we move on. I mean, I, I just can't with Dolphins fans anymore, Chris. I just can't. I, I, I mean, I, you know, there's, What's there's the problem, some, Ethan? What's the problem? Well, here's the problem. Okay. So some of them, you know, obviously got on board my train here with Adam Gase last week. Right. I mean, because the Gase catastrophe was kind of hard to ignore that. But we actually had some people on Twitter who were tweeting at me tonight 
that I shouldn't make a big deal of the yardage differential because the reason that the Dolphins had only 175 yards as compared to 415 was because they had shorter fields because of turnovers. Um, oh, I mean, so, I, so you mean when they went three plays, negative 12 yards, punt, three plays, six yards, yes. punt, three plays, negative five yards, punt, five plays, 10 yards, punt, five plays, 15 yards, punt, three plays, two yards, punt, <laughs> one play, interception, uh, three plays, punt, that those were all as a result of field position? Yes, yes, because 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 it's because it's harder it's harder to have positive plays when you have better field position. You're not aware of that. There's less of the field to work with because the Dolphins quarterback throws so well deep with a torn up shoulder that you need more space. I actually for him. think because so. you so you reacted when uh, Tannehill threw that interception. Uh, your instinct was to question whether or not Tannehill was fully healthy, and you put up a poll. I, and when when I was at the stadium, I understood your viewpoint, but. When I went back and looked at it, that throw looked totally fine. It was a bad decision. He 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 threw the ball in a place where he shouldn't have. The I think the throw like looked like other deep throws that I've seen from Ryan Tannehill. Looking back from a TV angle, I didn't think that was an instance of him having a bad arm or him being hurt. Perhaps, perhaps. I, I to me it was late. Okay, so mm-hmm. I looked at it like if he had thrown it earlier and led him a couple yards, that still that it was stills, right? Yeah, yeah, but it was stills. stills going on to get it. Now you know we talked about that Josh Allen throw earlier. I mean, he threw that ball 68 yards when it needed to be 65. Like, he, he actually he, he out-threw his receiver. It's crazy. Out-throwing out a 65-yard route. It's right. almost I mean, impossible. It was, that was insane. But the Tannehill one, look, I, I don't know. Is the shoulder bothering? Was it not? I mean, he took a couple shots in the game. He got yeah. up. I, I'm never going to question his toughness. Like, that's the one thing that yeah. he's and absolutely – I don't, I don't like how, like, I saw some uh, AFC scout colon, oh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't believe him anymore, and he's injury-prone. Like – he got hit while throwing and had a yeah. shoulder injury and tore his ACL. Like I, I that doesn't mean there's injury. Prone. Every quarterback is injured. Every quarterback like, is injury prone. I mean, I, you know, Dan Marino was not injury prone for what? 15 years, you know, uh, 10 years. Right. And then the Achilles snapped. Like can, can, it, can we, it, it can we delineate between Devonte Parker and Ryan Tannehill, like Ryan Tannehill, yes. Will play through just about anything. Devonte Parker, although he's playing through a shoulder injury right now, like for his career, does not right. Like those Do are we two know vastly he's playing through. Players. I mean, but you, you're, you're assuming. I mean, we, he's on the injury I, report. It was listed as questionable, so I kind of have to take the Dolphins at their but, word. But but I mean, that's the default position, right? Like I. Mm-hmm. So I mean, with, with Devonte, I don't know where he is. I, I know with Tannehill. Uh, he's he's not healthy 100 no. percent. Um, and but and, and and so he's not taking many shots. I mean, I would like to look at the air yards for this game because we've seen it come down as the season has progressed and it's come down it, significantly from where it was in 2016. So he's not throwing very deep routes. Now, now, I mean, now they're signing receivers off the street. So he, he doesn't have, I mean, look today again, they don't have Grant. They don't have Wilson. They don't have Amendola. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they Butler's still, playing a ton of snaps, right? So, I mean, that's not ideal at the same time. Look, I don't know if he's going to be a bust long-term, but Mike Kosicki's rookie year is a bust. I mean, it's Agreed. a complete bust. Uh, it's, it's been a disaster. I've heard, I, mean, I, I heard, I heard the, a dreaded comparison in the week, Michael Agnew. Oh yeah. No, I'm thinking Oof. the same thing. Oh my God. Um, when I heard I, that, I was like, I, like a chill went down my spine. Like, well, oh my god! Well, I mean, he doesn't even get any targets. Like, uh, he wasn't targeted no. a single time today. Um, and and then and Nick O'Leary, the the one play that they needed to be made at the end of the game, they threw to O'Leary, who again another guy off the street, like yeah. I, you know, and, and who they ended up giving an extension today, uh, or or to a couple weeks ago. So, uh, look, I just. Uh, 
you know, where their offense is right now, Chris, yeah. uh, is is pathetic. And and it's getting worse. They were they were 28th in the league in offense coming into the game. Um, I would assume that that's going to slip. In fact, like, remember I told you a few weeks ago, I said, well, the good thing is, like, they can't possibly be worse than Buffalo and Arizona, who were 31st to 32nd. Well, they just, they just basically spotted Buffalo 240 yards yeah. today. So, uh, so, so, but I want, I want to ask you this question. Was it a bad defensive performance today? Was it a bad defensive or offensive? Yeah, d- defensive. That, that what what they get giving up 415 yards um, to to that offense I, it, is that it, bad? It, it, it was it wasn't good. Now, with that being said, you know Buffalo went from a point where if you look back a couple of weeks, I mean they, they had Buffalo had a stretch where I think they totaled about 24 points mm-hmm. over three games, and then after that, so let me take a look at it because they they had totaled, and then the last two weeks they totaled over 70 points, right? Like yeah. some of that was turnovers. But they totaled over seventy points. So today they got seventeen, and you know. But you I will just... say they, they left three touchdowns on the field. We mentioned the deep throw that Allen had, that and there was mm-hmm. another one that was wide open in the end zone. And then obviously the last play of the game, the last meaningful play of the game, where inexplicably Charles Clay is straddling the the end zone, the, the end line, as if it's you know, as if it's he's trying to tippy toe you know in front of the sideline because otherwise the, the bills won't score like it was a bizarre situation where charles clay could only catch the ball in the end zone or else that catch wasn't worth making like it, clay's open by 15 yards yes. and yes. and again and, and by the way i will say the biggest coaching thing i have on today how on earth did the dolphins not in the middle of that game figure out that the only way that Josh Allen was going to beat them was with his legs. And mm-hmm. that even on that final play, he circled 10 different directions. He gave himself 11 seconds to throw. Like, all day long, Allen had time to throw. How they does didn't that spy happen? Him. How because does that... The, right, exactly. How did they the not de- spy him? The, defen- the defensive coordinator does not adjust. Oh, my so God. It was, it was, it was the infuriating. Only, the only thing they had close to a spy was Alonzo. And, man, if there is anybody still pushing for him for the Pro Bowl enough okay I mean, like Pico i know Alonso, he's made a- I, I i was i was watching i was watching the highlights back again just to make sure that i saw everything mm-hmm. and the only thing that stuck out of me was man it's amazing that kiko alonso has made this career for himself when he's small for a linebacker and slow because mm-hmm. every time josh allen was running into the secondary kiko alonso was trying to chase him he's a lot slower than josh allen like a lot slower than josh allen like i like he's also again, played he's also played the most snaps on the dolphins this right year. right he's, he's probably he's probably well broken at this point yes but but like at the same time, he's trying to chase this six foot seven guy and looks so slow. And he was always in the right position. He was always in a position to make a play. He just never made a play. And it, it was yeah, kind and- of it was kind of amazing to me that Kiko Alonso was just again and again in your shot as as Josh Allen is running for twenty five yards a carry. We'll continue on with today's edition of the Five Reasons Podcast, but first I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is AutoNation. Thinking of selling your car, AutoNation's expert appraisers will give you a top dollar offer and a check the same day. The offer is guaranteed for seven days or 500 miles at any of our locations, and they will buy your car even if you don't buy one from them. AutoNation is proud to support the efforts of local organizations and treatment facilities in the fight against breast cancer as well. Since starting the Drive Pink campaign, AutoNation has raised and donated over $15 million to fund life-saving cancer research. Show your support in the fight against breast cancer by using the Drive Pink hashtag and showing off your pink AutoNation license plate frame. Visit AutoNation.com to find the location nearest you. 
Yeah, no question. And look, Baker was not good today either. Um, I didn't think Rashad was particularly good today. You know, sometimes I McMillan, think somebody McMillan does. McMillan gets beat on the play that ends up being oh, well, a touchdown. I, I mean, that's a recurring thing. I mean, his yeah. whole season's been a washout. It totally. I mean, Baker's been a little better. But you met, you asked, is it a good defensive performance? I mean, this is a Buffalo team that has had games this year of 3-0, 13-13, 5, 6, and 9. Mm-hmm. Um, and Josh so, Allen, by the way, coming into today, uh, I, I I was looking at his game log during pregame, and I was like, this is pathetic. Like, this guy's not good. Four of his seven games coming into today, or it might have been three, didn't hit 100 yards passing. Only one went over 60% completion. There were, I want to say, three or four that were in the 40s in completion percentage. Like, he is not a good throwing quarterback. If I were, like, not not to be like, well, <laughs> there's a funny Stephen A. Smith clip of him uh, saying that uh, if he were Marsha Clark or Christopher Darden, I would have won that trial. Like, it, it was, it's one of the great Levitard show clips. But if I was if I was a defensive coordinator, like, Josh Allen is not beating me with his legs. The, the, the Bills are not beating me with run game. I'm not allowing Josh Allen to escape the pocket again and again. Like, who is there to cover? And Josh Allen isn't any kind of accurate. If he's going to make tough throws all day long and you get beat that way, like, fine, you get beat that way. And look, they won the game, so I'm not going to criticize them too much. But Buffalo also gave away three pretty easy touchdowns, and the Dolphins gave up 415 yards. Like, there's there's a much simpler game plan than what they produced, which was don't allow Josh Allen to run, and then he ran for 100, 100 yards, and try and bring him down when you have chances in, in the pocket, and they didn't again and again. Right, and this is – we're going to go back – we're going to circle back here without focusing too much except on one play, all right? So I want to get to the big picture in a second, but I want to get to one play because I think you and I have a fundamental disagreement on this mm. uh, based on the, the thread that we have that was going back and forth. Uh, to me, the third and one call uh, where you're direct snapping to your third string back when you have, I mean, if I, I've said this before this year, okay, because he still does not have a touchdown, a rushing touchdown. When the entire purpose of signing Frank Gore was that he could get you a tough yard when you needed it because he runs straight ahead. And that has been the justification, Chris, all year for not playing Kenyon Drake, right? We've talked about it. If you need a certain amount of yardage, Frank Gore gets you that yardage, that he doesn't dance, he hits the hole, and all the rest of this. So instead, what do you do? You call a slow-developing play to your third-string back, who you've hardly, who's a rookie, who you've hardly used this year, in a third-and-one that you absolutely need to convert in that particular situation. I am so freaking sick of Adam Gase trying to prove how smart he is. Uh, and to me, that's what that play is, okay? Uh, if uh, you, have, you also have a quarterback who is a decent-sized quarterback. If you're going to throw him out there with a bad shoulder, which is what they're doing, okay, after he decided to try to play a, you know, a year ago with a bad knee and was out there, his toughness is not in question. Could you let him freaking sneak the ball once in that situation? <laughs> like, right? I mean, they did this with Osweiler too, and he's six foot seven. And now you've got Tannehill, who, again, one of the attributes that Tannehill has is that he's a decent sized player for his position. Would you allow him to sneak? Does he not know how to sneak? Do you not know how to call a sneak? Is that not cute enough for you? Are you not going to look fancy to all of your coaching friends? Just call a sneak or hand the ball to your running back who's fourth all-time in yardage, who you're continuing to play ahead of a much more dynamic player because he can get you that yard. 
what are they doing there? What what is he trying to prove? That's what I don't understand. I, I don't know what he's trying and, to and prove. I I I don't know what he's trying to prove, but I I I, I didn't mind it, right? Because you're trying to get a yard. You put you put a 240 pound running back in there. You snap the ball to him. The ball was it, the the play was just appallingly blocked. I I freezed it. I was I was I was I was sort of I I knew this would come up, so I scrutinized the play. And I'm going through it like sort of space bar, space bar, sort of like sort of very quickly trying to look at all the frames. And by the end of the play, when f- the the first tackler hits Kalen Balage, there are five white shirts closer to him than the nearest teal shirt. Like it was complete and utter domination. And I guess the one thing that happens when you see the running back in the backfield is. You know, there is no other outcome other than he's going to grab the ball and start running forward. And so if you're a Bills defensive lineman, you know your job is get forward, not worry about some misdirection, not worry about, you know, a, a potential throw, not worry about, to me, the play to run there, uh, and, and I know you just, you know, want a sneak or a handoff, to me, the play to run every time the Dolphins have lined up in a third and short and have run a zone read where Tannehill has the option to pull it and catches the defense off guard by pulling the ball and running, that's worked for me every time. And, and and I feel like like that like that's the play. If I was figuring out with this Dolphins team for what I've seen the last couple of years, what I would run in that situation would be a zone read because Tannehill with the option to pull to me is the most threatening thing that the Dolphins have in their run game. So that would have been my choice. I will say though, I don't know what was said after the game, but I know at varying points uh, at towards the end, Frank Gore was in the medical tent. So I don't know if he was mm-hmm. healthy to be on the field for that third down play. If he was, then I agree with you. Give the ball to Frank Gore. Uh, Adam Gase has said, if there's a crevice, he'll get a yard. Let him get a yard. And so, like, I, I, I agree with you. I, I do think it's too cute, but I don't think it's necessarily that. So, he, so, he, so, he's, why he's not? Trying okay. so, he's trying to impress anybody. I think they've had this Wildcat package that they've been working on in practice. And, and we talked about it, um, I think, in a previous game when they were struggling offensively. And they had it. They, they threw Balazs out there, and then they called the timeout because they didn't like mm-hmm. the look of it, and then they just scrapped it. So they've clearly been running this, and they clearly think that it could work. But I've seen no evidence that it could work. You know what it feels like to me? It's like when I was writing a lot, and I'd come up with this like really cute turn of phrase. And it didn't really fit in the column that I was writing, but I was like, okay, I'm going to put that in my back pocket. And so what I would do sometimes was I had like a little notes file on my phone and I would like put it in there. And then I would like every column I wrote after that, I'd be trying to find some way to force this thing in. Cause it was like this, you know, really brilliant. It really wasn't right. But in my head, it was this really <laughs> brilliant turn of phrase and it needed to be put in somewhere. And so ultimately like maybe two or three columns on the line, I would stick it in somewhere and no one would know what the hell I was talking about because it didn't fit. Okay. And it was, and that's, that's Adam Gase's offense. Okay, he's just got these brilliant little turns of phrases. He's putting them in yeah. his little his little phone. He got, and to, he's he tried, got to use his cute misdirection play that led to the Kenyon Drake touchdown. That worked. Well, well, that one worked. Okay, but you're talking about third and one. Like that's a meat and potatoes play at the end of the game. And if you're going to get cute, the only thing to me you get cute with is like run. If you if look if they were selling out for the run, run play action, and you know maybe maybe yeah. it's Balage or maybe it's Drake. Okay, you're most gifted offensive player maybe it's drake and you get him out okay and you basically throw one of your little beautiful little flats flat screens that you love so much and maybe try that okay instead is an, a play that's not it, it's a little bit slow developing in the sense that at least there's a fake handoff or something or at least you know the show of a fake but at least get him out of the backfield 
to try to make a play in that way. But to, to basically run that, okay, with an inexperienced guy, I don't know what Kalen Balaj is at this stage, okay, or how many times they've run that in practice, but it does feel like that. Like, they tried to run it that one day. I can't remember which game it was, but you're right. There was a game they put him on the I wanna, field. I want to say the Chicago game. I, I think it was the Chicago game. I think you're right. And so he didn't get to it then, so it's like, okay, we got to get to it. Oh, the season's almost over. We got to slip that one in somewhere. I mean, what, what, I mean, what is that? I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm just over it, uh, Chris. I'm just over. It. I'm, I'm. Oh, I mean, they had 175 yards today. Okay. I mean, that's that's a quarter. That's a quarter for the Rams or the Chiefs. Yeah. They produced it in four. All right. And so you know, the, then the amazing you thing to me too is that the drives. Now, one of them came off the block punt, uh, but the other two. One one was aided by dumb penalties, and maybe we can get to that with Charles Clay and with uh, Jordan Phillips. But the other two felt like lengthy drives in which they moved. Like the opening drive, we talked about opening drives, mm-hmm. was by far the best the offense looked all day. Yes. That, Methodically picking, like they they they, had, they got to third down once. I want to say on that drive, and uh, and it was a flawlessly executed drive. And I was like, all right, Dolphins offense rolling today, and it just went all downhill from there. I would say Ryan Tannehill is pretty culpable. I thought he was pretty bad today. And uh, they got nothing done on the ground. That interior offensive line is just so bad. Jesse mm-hmm. Davis today, who's been the one mainstay in every game, I thought was dreadful today. Yep. But uh, yep. but I I think that for the most part that offense is just uh, just it's just rudderless right now. And frankly, for me, it's just Sands talent. They've got no talent. Their quarterback's not talented. Their offensive line's not talented. Their receivers aren't talented. Their tight ends aren't talented. Like I think it's an offense with no talent. So. I, I, I don't I, I just don't see how it gets much better from here. So who's uh, all right. I mean, we do this in every podcast. I mean, if it's an offense with no talent and I know people are going to give me Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant, who, again, were supposed to be the fourth mm-hmm. and fifth receivers. But whatever. I know I, Albert Wilson was on his way potentially to a thousand yard season with the way things were trending. So I'll give you that one. But if it's an offense with no talent, sick of being upsold at gyms, my guy, you're currently a base member for $90 more. I can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more. You'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach sweat platinum at Planet Fitness. You'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. I mean, who's picking the offensive players? I mean, we're just going to blame this on Tannenbaum or we're going to blame it on the guy who's the offensive guru who should be getting players that he wants that he wants to use. I, that's, I, I mean, you, you mentioned this first drive, okay, so, which was a very good first drive. You're absolutely right, okay? And the throw, by the way, from Tannehill to Parker was, was a beautiful throw, okay? That was a bullet that he threw on third and nine. I mean, it was a terrific throw, and it was a good catch in traffic by Parker, which is something he hasn't done. But they started that drive on the 25, okay? Yeah. Oh, this is, this is a good stat. They had 75 yards on their first drive. That's what All I've right. been complaining about. They had a hundred yards the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, if you go so if you go back on on the three scoring drives, so uh, the one after the block punt was six plays, thirty six yards, and then uh, the final touchdown was six plays, seventy five yards. But remember, uh, like thir- thirty of those don't count for the Dolphins. Uh, one was uh, one was the the pass interference it was a twenty five yard pass interference call, um, and then. Uh, the taunting call on Jordan Phillips was enforced for 11 yards. So 36 mm-hmm. of the 75 yards on that drive came on penalties. So uh, it it felt like on the on the times in which they went in and scored that it looked good, but the rest of the game, I mean, I I, re- I rattled off all the drives earlier in which they couldn't do anything. But um, but my God, it's just 
there are times in which they look absolutely and utterly out of ideas. Get back to our episode here in a second, but first I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Brunt Insurance, where you can find all of your protection under one roof. Brunt Insurance offers home, auto, commercial, and life insurance, and they're licensed to write insurance for the entire state of Florida. That's Pensacola all the way down to the keys. They've got multiple carriers for all of the product lines to ensure that you're paying the lowest possible rate in your area. They're also proud sponsors of the Homes for Heroes program. It's important. They got special discounts for first responders, teachers, military, and healthcare professionals. All you got to do is call Greg at 954-589-2204 or check out bruntinsurance.com. Another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and it is the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. The attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg, you can find them at onecalllegal.com or by calling one 855 5000 law. They handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, criminal immigration, family bankruptcy, real estate, wills, trusts, and estates. They've also got a new 15,000 square foot office coming on I-95 in North Miami. So they will handle cases all over the state from there. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation. That's onecalllegal.com, one 855 5,000 law. All right. So we're, we're pretty much out of ideas too, which is why we, <laughs> we, because of them, which is why we decided to, to tailor this podcast a little bit differently. So I guess the general point on the dolphins before we move on to these other four teams is they're, they're not a good football team right now. Um, they're somehow six and six. Yes. Not really sure how that's occurred other than the level of competition in some of those games, because those wins are Raiders yeah. two against the jets one against the Bills. And, and continued success in close games. Like, as much as they lost right. uh, this Colts game and the Bengals game ended up being close, um, they're good in these situations in which they're decided in the fourth quarter. Like, that Colts game aside, the entire Adam Gase era is built on the strength of, uh, of single-digit victories. Uh, one of the other things that you can add to your column, I mean, uh, CK is mentioning in our DM string right now, Adam Gase is 22-22. and 22. Three of those 22 victories have come by double digits. Like, they've mm-hmm. all been close game victories, including today. Now, again, you can say Charles Clay tripped and fell in the end zone for no reason, and, uh, and that's how you win this game. But they keep on, they keep on managing to but, win these but, close but games. But you see, it's, out. it's different. Okay, so but we gotta, that's, a, that's a number you got to go beyond because I know CK has a certain perspective on this, okay? But, uh, but look, it, to me, it's a difference between pulling out close games at the end because of some wizardry, you know, in terms of a coaching decision or holding on for dear life. I bet you, <laughs> I bet you, I bet you if you look at those wins, okay, those 22 wins of which, like you said, what 19 of them were close wins. I bet you of those 19 wins, the Dolphins had bigger leads and blew them. I, 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 I think what, that what was, was the Dolphins. Probably... Big, the, the Dolphins big lead today was eight. I think at 14, six. Okay. Um, and, was, and, right. and also, and also, I mean, remember that they, they had to make a fourth quarter comeback. Like, and by the way, when the Bills scored to make it, uh, 17, 14, again, I said this to you before we started taping, never felt like the Dolphins are losing today. I just didn't, I, I just didn't feel, I thought the Dolphins, even after, even as being outgained by 240 yards, I thought they were better. I, I really did throughout the That's entire because that you game. could not, uh, other than, other than McCoy and Allen, you could not, and I'm not blaming you for this. Well, you probably could because you had to prepare for the QAM uh, for the, po- <laughs> for the pregame show. I, I would say of the 45,000 people that were actually in the stadium, not the 65,000 they listed, of the 45,000, okay, and of of those 45,000, of the 35,000 that were Dolphin fans, okay, 
Because there's always with the Bills, yeah. there's always a chunk of, of Bills fans. Bills Mafia uh, represented strong. Team. Right, Bill, Bills Mafia. There, thirty-five thousand Dolphin fans. I would bet you that thirty-four thousand nine hundred and ninety-seven <laughs> could not have named a single Bills skill player other than Shady McCoy. W- yeah. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, there absolutely, might be yeah. there might be three somewhere up in the four hundred level. Okay, who who knew? <laughs> just complete who, dorks who right, who, complete were dorks. Buffalo, who were reading the Buffalo News this week. The type of right, they would be the three yards per carry uh, <laughs> for our Don't Bills expand. podcast if we ever if we ever expanded up to Buffalo, which is not a plan of mine. Okay, they would be the three I, yards. I think per that carry. should be the first market that we expand into outside of Miami. It's I, the I Miami think it, I Buffalo think strategy. Buffalo. I, I think it should be. I think it should be Buffalo, and, and that, that's that's exactly where we would go. Those three guys would be able to break down for us. One of them should be British. Um, they, they, should, they should be able should be able to break down for us who the Bills' skill position players were. Because I feel like I cover. You know, again, I don't follow the NFL as closely as the NBA, but but I feel like I'm pretty in tune with it. And I I had no. Yeah. Freaking idea! I, I, feel, uh, so, I feel like that British guy is gonna have a lot of Patrick Demarco thoughts. I oh really yes. do. Uh, that British yeah. guy is gonna be really in on Patrick right. Demarco. Right, just like just like Alfredo was big on Caleb Balage. Okay, <laughs> because is there, there, there's absolutely no chance that any Bills fan, okay, had any idea who Caleb Balage was before Adam Gase decided on third and one in a pivotal situation that he was, that he was gonna, gonna win the game with him. To him. Right. So so <laughs> how many? How, okay, hold on, hold on. Because I imagine that sequence of the game might have made the Red Zone Channel. I was not watching the Red Zone Channel, but that that sequence might have made the Red Zone Channel. How many people? And, and this is where I think your your point of Adam Gase is trying to get cute. How many people across America do you think flipped on the Red Zone Channel and went, "Wait, the Dolphins are trying to win the game, and who is trying to win them? Win them the game? Mm-hmm. Who is this? They just snapped the ball to? Like the amount of confusion that must have happened across Red Zone and Bills fans, like just had to have been completely insane." Yes, right. No, exactly. I mean, but again, there's there was one Alfredo out there, our Alfredo from our three years per carry podcast, uh, who who knew who Kalen Balage was uh, among the among the Bills fans. That might have been the only person uh, who did. So anyway, all right. So basically, what we've established in the Dolphins is, uh, I looked at their point differential, and they should be four and eight right now. Now you're going to, others are going to argue they should be eight and four because they should have beaten Cincinnati and Indianapolis. Right. That's, but that's, based- that's the optimist view. And frankly, that's football. Football is, well, they should be four and eight and, and some optimists go, well, they could be four, eight and four too. And that's right. football. That's the NFL. Right. They, they, they should, they should be four and eight. Okay. But they're not, they're six and six. And so what we're going to do here quickly is we're going to go through the other four teams because I don't believe that they're catching the chargers. Now, as we're speaking, what is the score of this charger game? Uh, at last check, I think it was thirteen seven and or sixteen. Yeah, sixteen seven. The uh, the Steelers just kicked a field goal as as we're taping. Okay, all right. And Philip Rivers' wife just popped out a ninth child. I mean, my God, good lord! Yeah. Yeah. Why? Yeah, it's a lot of bolo, it's a lot of that's a lot of bolo ties. You're, you're, okay, I don't know. So, so you're you're a parent of one child. Yes. Can you yes. imagine perfect little child? Can you imagine nine of them? Nine um, of your child. <laughs> uh, well, sometimes I feel like they're a nine of my child because because she's gonna wake up any minute here and come in and ask daddy to fix something for her in the living room. But uh, but 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 I would actually take eight more Sashas. Yes, I would. Uh, but, I'm saying but, you would, but I'm saying could, could you imagine what life would be like with eight Sashas? Uh, I, I I can't, but I also can't imagine uh, making the amount of money that Philip Rivers has <laughs> no, made over the point. course of his career, uh, where, where basically he he could hire three hands. To to help every one of those children. So, uh, you know, that, that's probably part of it too. But anyway, the Chargers, they're not catching the Chargers, I don't believe. Um, mm-hmm. So let, let's put them out of the mix. Now, I know you said when we were preparing for this, 
that they could move into the mix in some sort of a tiebreaker situation. But let's focus on the four teams that are really competing with Miami for the sixth spot. All right. So number one is Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're seven and five. They currently sit in that spot. I feel like, you know, again, there was rumors about John Harbaugh a couple weeks ago. I don't know if he's going to survive the season or not, but I feel like the Ravens do this most years where like you just look at their talent and you're like, okay, Ozzy's finally lost it. They don't have enough there. And then you look at the end of the year and they're getting better. And, and this happens every season. And I'm looking at their last few games. So they lost a tough game to the Steelers before the bye and after losing to the Panthers. And you're like, okay, they're not very good this year. This is finally the year. And since then, they came out of it. They beat a Bengals team that at the time still looked competitive. Uh, they've kind of fallen apart. Then they hammered the Raiders. And then today they beat the Falcons, which is something you should do. This, the situation the Falcons are in at home. And so they're 7-5 and five now. So I'm looking at the rest of their schedule. And they're playing a rookie quarterback. Um, you know, who has not been great, but he's been good enough. So you're looking at... And they, and they might go back to Flacco. And they might go back to Flacco. They probably will go back to Flacco. So you're looking at their remaining games. At Chiefs, they scored 40 today without you know their lead back. Buccaneers at home, that's a win. Mm-hmm. At Chargers, won't be any crowd there, but the Chargers... Now, my only thing on the Chargers, we're going to talk about them when it comes to one of the other teams, is that I feel like they're, they, they may lock themselves into the five spot mm-hmm. because they're not going to catch the Chiefs, which means they beat five. But that game may have some significance. I mean, at Chargers, because it could be for the five spot, actually. Right, exactly. And, and if, if, if the Steelers hang on to win and the Chargers fall to eight and four and the Ravens kind of keep pace before they play that game, then maybe those two teams are battling it out for, for five. But, but if, and five, but, but, but if five the, does if, matter, if, though. If the Ravens five. beat the Chiefs and the Bucks, then the Dolphins will be out. Right, like there's there's no way that the Ravens are going from beating those two teams to being out of the playoffs. Uh, I, like, I, I would I, think, I would I think, agree like, with that. But the the other thing on the five four situation is, uh, excuse me, the uh, being five, five six or situation. six is you do want to be five because even if you believe in Houston, I think most people would say that Houston of the four division leaders is the one you'd probably want to play in the first round. Right, right? Like, which is I funny mean, given the fact they've won nine in a row. <laughs> right, but but they're but they're but they're not the Steelers. No. They don't have no. a record setting. You, you don't want to play, like the and, and it's and not, not an environment good. like going to Heinz Field is. Like right. I, I I I on Bet DSI put put some money on the Steelers because it's the Steelers at Heinz Field in a night game, and I just feel like institutionally they have so much more than the Chargers. And even if I even if I think the Chargers might be a little bit better in this and that like going on the road to that stadium and trying to win a game, it's. It's just so hard to do that against their infrastructure, everything that they do there. So, like, I would much rather go on the road to Houston where I don't feel like – I feel like the second that the the, the, the Texans go 7 nothing down, the crowd's going to, you know, tighten up and, and not feel like they have any chance to win. Like, it's I'd also, much it's, rather it's go also, It's also Houston. a young quarterback in Deshaun Watson has yeah. never been in that situation. I know Mahomes is also, but, um, I mean, you don't have – I mean, you got Bill O'Brien there, not Andy Reid. I, I, I feel like mm-hmm. that's a winnable game to go into Houston and win. So I do think there could be a reason to get the five spot but just looking at the Ravens schedule at Chiefs Buccaneers mm-hmm. at home at Chargers Browns at home to me that's mm-hmm. a three and one or two and two schedule for yeah. them I would say it's two and two all right so if they're two and two that puts them at nine and seven okay, okay. now now let's go to uh, to Denver and the, the reason I want to go to Denver next is because I said before the game last week if they could beat Pittsburgh that they would move firmly into this picture and I actually watched some of that game because I was at a sports bar that had the Dolphin game in that game, but that game was on most of the TVs. And they looked pretty good. Like Keenum yep. has gotten has gotten comfortable. And now you look at their schedule, Denver's schedule, at San Francisco. So nice. So Cle- nice. Cleveland at home, at Oakland, 
And then the Chargers at home in a game that it's more likely in that one that the Chargers wouldn't need it. Mm-hmm. So so you could be looking at a 4 and 0 finish for Denver which is 10 wins. Yeah. Um which, which is, you know, But, but right now I mean, that that grouping of teams at San Francisco who got hammered today by Seattle, home Cleveland, which again, if you're going to make the playoffs, you have to be Cleveland at home. Um, as much as you know Baker Mayfield and all that, like that's the team you got to beat. And then at Oakland on on Christmas Eve, that's a Monday night game. Um, it's just that's three and zero. Like mm-hmm. I, for me, you can pencil in the Broncos for nine and six, and if they don't, a calamity will have happened. So I, I think at least going into that final weekend, the Dolphins have to be level with Denver at nine and six, which is winning your next three games. Yes, right. So they're so they're going to be nine and six with a chance at ten and six. So mm-hmm. I, I mean that is problematic all right yeah. for the dolphins um so and then we mentioned baltimore likely not in seven possibly ten and six then let's go to indianapolis yep so i don't know how to explain today uh <laughs> you know the colts <laughs> other the colts, than oof oh my right, god I, I mean the colts last few games i'm just going to go through their scoring um they they put up 34 against the jets 37 against the bills i mean again mm-hmm. the dolphins are so pathetic put up 42 against the raiders 29 against the jaguars 38 against the Titans, 27 against the Dolphins, and then today zero. And um, uh, can I can I also uh, rattle off Jaguars? Uh, can I also rattle off Andrew Luck's last 10 games of touchdowns? Mm-hmm. Four, three, four, four, three, 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 zero. That and 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 that zero was today. 33 mm-hmm. of 52, 248 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. And today's result is the ultimate sign of football malpractice that the Jacksonville Jaguars have committed in bringing Blake Bortles back because they went to Cody Kessler today. Now, I saw a tweet that uh, Blake Bortles is warming up on the sideline. Now, he did not eventually come into the game. Cody Kessler, 18 of 20 for 150 yards, no touchdowns. And it's just it's pure malpractice. That defense is still really good. That defense yes. can still dominate teams. It's been demoralized by their awful, truly horrendous quarterback play, and that has sullied their chances of winning a Super Bowl, which to me, that defense is a Super Bowl-winning defense. And if they had Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, I'm not even kidding. I think if they had Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, they'd be the favorites in the AFC. I'm not kidding. You're probably right. You're probably right. And that's gonna that's gonna irritate Dolphin fans next year when they go 11 and five with Ryan uh, throw, throwing seven yard passes. Uh, you know the, the entire season with Leonard Fournette, yeah. you know, rushing for 1,400 yards, finally being healthy. But back but, to the Colts. Back to the Colts. So yeah. they're at Houston. That's really tough. Home Dallas now looks really tough. Um, home with the Giants, which Eh, uh, Giants won today in overtime, but um, I, I don't know if that if, if you're a playoff team, you should be beating the Giants at home. And then at Tennessee on the final day, which could be really huge for Tennessee. Uh, now there is no division to chase, given that the Indianapolis now three games back of the Colts mm-hmm. uh, of the Texans. I'm sorry. Normally that's like you know they're, that AFC South is usually so bad that you can uh, even if you're not getting in as a wild card, you might still get in the division. That defense is too good, or I'm sorry, that that Texans team is too good. And so uh, I, I think that the Colts. Might go into that final day eight and seven, and I I just don't think that that's enough. I I think somewhere between at Houston, home Dallas, and home with the Giants is one loss. So I think they go into that final game eight and seven. Well, I think the positive here for the Dolphins is that's the team that has the tiebreaker on the Dolphins and the Bengals. Well, and and the Bengals are out now. The Bengals are well out of the picture. Bengals are out. So so the Colts. I mean, that's actually good. So what you're rooting for if you're a Dolphin fan is you know let them lose to Houston and Dallas. 
and basically be eliminated essentially from yep. contention. And so, you know, I, and again, we're going to get to the, the rest of the Dolphins schedule here in a second, but at least it, you can get them out of the way. And so what we thought was this calamitous result last week, losing to the Colts and losing the tiebreaker, mm-hmm. it was not great, obviously. And it basically gets erased won. in one week, right? Because right. so, the Dolphins so won and the Colts lost, and now you're looking the at the schedule lost. and you're going, oh, okay. It's, it's possible right. they can lose some games. All right, so let's look at Tennessee now because this is the other yep. one. So mm-hmm. Tennessee, Jacksonville at home, you know, that's a that's a an mm-hmm. 8-20 Thursday night uh, game. Yeah, on a Thursday, yeah. Not going to get quite the same ratings that Saints-Cowboys did. <laughs> um, so, so, I, I can't wait to see the week-to-week decline in those, I, in those numbers. It, it might be half. It might, it might I, be. I hope, I hope Trump tweets about that. I hope Trump tweets. Oh, 80, that'll be the week. 80% decline in Thursday night football week over week. Yeah. Well, well, that's because that probably that'll be the day that his son is indicted. <laughs> right, and exactly. So, so right, that'll, every, be, that'll be his distraction. Every time something goes wrong with the Mueller investigation, he blames the NFL. <laughs> that's great. Uh, so so that, that might happen on Thursday, right? It's, it's going to be his fault that nobody wants to watch Blake Bortles um, or Cody Kessler or whoever it is. And and so, all right, so you got a Thursday night game uh, against Jacksonville with Tennessee. Then you get the Giants in New York. Uh, you just discussed them. Washington at home, that's winnable. Mm-hmm. And the Colts at home, so one of those two teams is going to lose that's there. That's a pretty easy schedule. It's not quite the Broncos schedule, but that's still a pretty easy schedule. This could be three and one. So you're yeah. looking at nine and seven. So I, I mm-hmm. think the – and then now, again, the Dolphins. So next week, Patriots. And I know everybody just throws their hands up there, but let's, you know, let's, you know, be realistic about this. The Dolphins have been really good against the Patriots at home in recent years. They're 9-8 and eight in the Brady-Belichick era. I will remember that for as long as I live because I've constantly feared the Patriots, and I feel like every time they come up with a schedule and going, well, that's a loss. And then nine times you've been surprised in the last decade and a half because the Dolphins have pulled out a result. I now, after last year, after Jay Cutler beat them, uh, I am now not saying that the Dolphins are going to win because that's one thing, but I'm going to say that the Dolphins are going to be competitive in this game because they always are at home for whatever reason. They just are. Brian Greasy beat them at home. Uh, a lot of different quarterbacks for yeah. the Dolphins have AJ, beaten them at didn't home. Didn't A.J. Feely beat them, at, beat them at home uh, a- a- on, a- on a Monday Feely- night game? AJ, Yes, A.J. Feely beat them. And so that is winnable. Now, I will say this about that game, though, is that on a lot of occasions, the Patriots kind of didn't need the game. Like, there was that game a couple of years ago where they came in and they decided, what was it, to, like, run the ball every on every play? I remember that. Yeah, I think that was, like, early in the season. Yeah. No, it, I think it was later. Was I think it? it was later. But 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 right now, they don't – they're going to need the game, the Patriots are, um, because – like I said, they're in this three-team scrum for, of division leaders, and two of those teams are going to get buys, and one of them is going to get home field advantage. And so you've got one team in the Chiefs that, yes, they won today and scored 40, but they did just lose a significant piece. So Belichick, you know, who's probably the one who sent the NFL to tape, uh, Belichick probably <laughs> sees an opening there. And so <laughs> I hadn't the, even the, thought of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's, it's likely. Oh, yeah. No, there's no question. Oh, God. There, there's, there's no question. Uh, so they can end up you know, potentially with the, you know, the number one seed in the conference. So that's a meaningful game. And they also don't want to slip to thir- third and end up having to play a first round game instead of getting a bye and allowing Pittsburgh to slip in there with Kansas city. So uh, this game is meaningful to new England. Uh, with that being said, with the Patriots, you don't know who's going to be in there week to week. It's not the strongest team that they've had. Brady is not having his best season, but, I'm not going to call for a Dolphin victory because I did that when they went up to New England when we had a watch party earlier this season, and that was a disaster. But could they win it? 
Yes, I think it's more likely, maybe it's just the home road split, but I think it's more likely they win that game than they win the next week. I don't I give the Dolphins any chance in Minnesota at all. Um, I mean, I, I, did, I did watch Kirk Cousins today. Uh, you talk about Ryan Tannehill throwing seven-yard passes. Kirk Cousins is trying to beat the, was trying to beat the Patriots four yards at a time. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm just, as, as good as the Vikings are in terms of talent and especially in their receiving core, like Xavier Howard, that's going to be the game where he's going to have to really show that he's a lead corner now, uh, you know, defending Thielen and Diggs. But <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I don't, I'm, I don't fear the Vikings that much. Like, as, as good as their record is and, and as much as they were kind of favored before the year, I'm, I just, I'm not fearing Kirk Cousins. I'm, I'm just not. Like, I don't feel like you're going into a game saying that's unwinnable. I don't, th- I mean, the Dolphins on on the road this year have not been good the Dolphins offensively have not been good to where I think they can score 24 points in Minnesota but I'm just I'm not going into that game fearing I I think that they will lose but I'm not saying they have no chance of uh, of winning I I I think that's a game that they're probably going to lose just because it's road and Minnesota's good I don't think Minnesota's that good where I'm saying oh no that's definitely an L or uh, e- or well, even or even that they have a better chance of beating New England, even given the home road split. Like I, I think that New England is a much better team than Minnesota is, and no matter the venue, I think th- I think that you have a much better chance of losing to New England, even considering what's happened in the last seventeen years, than you do Minnesota. Well, I, I I've just I've covered some games in Minnesota with the Dolphins, and I just that that that's what leads me to believe there's no chance here I, and, and and the personnel is not as good as those teams were uh for the dolphins and i so i just don't like the environment they have been a bad road team um i don't see that changing like there's uh, you know i mean look the best half they played on the road this year was the first half against indianapolis uh so so it is fairly recent but i don't think they can sustain it for an entire game and i don't trust this coach to make the right decisions down the stretch of a close game on the road because he has not proven uh that he can do that and and for the most part there's been a couple of exceptions but Tannehill has had close had trouble closing games on the road i mean it, it happened now you can blame it on the injury but it happened in cincinnati it happened in indianapolis where the ball was basically taken out of his hands uh but look i i think when you look at the next two games can we agree that the best case scenario is one and one i agree yes i okay. I, I don't think they're leaving those those Two games, two and zero, two and zero, and then you look at the last two games. Jacksonville, what they've shown in recent weeks is they're still damn good at defense. And even if that game's at home, the Dolphins are going to struggle to score points. And then you close at Buffalo, and look, if they were terrible today offensively and struggled against a team that came in like Buffalo's defense is really good. Like they came in, I think, second best in the league in total defense and first best in the league in pass defense, or the rever- or, or, I think it was first best in the league in pass defense. Um, and and that's at Hard Rock Stadium. What do you think that looks like December 30th at Buffalo? Like in, mm-hmm. in, in frigid temperatures, in snow, like that's going to not be a fun watch and is going to be, fr- frankly, a bad – like I, I just don't see how the Dolphins turn a good offensive performance in that game. So as as with the Dolphins, you we, we begin – we end where we start started, which <laughs> is this is a team that's not good, but they're not dead – and I think they have just as good a chance to win any of these last four games as they have to lose any of these last four games for no reason at all other than it just seems to be the Dolphins' way. Acquire additional uh, international dollars, not just for you know uh, potential free agents with two first names. It's nice that, that ownership is, is fully supportive and allowing us to, to, to do everything in our power um, to be um, the best team in, in, in this region, in the gateway to America, and, and, and for Miami to become a destination spot for, 
for all Latin players uh, because, you know, this is such an international city. So they're going to be eight and eight, aren't they? Yep. I mean, ba- based on based on the way we're talking about this, I mean, best case scenario for these two games is one and one. And then the likely scenario for the last two games is probably one and one. Um, so they're going to be eight and eight. Uh, but it sounds like when we're talking about these other teams that there's going to be a 10 win team in there somewhere. Uh, and at the very least, there's going to be a nine win team. Right. So I, I, I think, you know, again, we talk about sort of gaining on Indianapolis today, but Denver surge yeah. and Baltimore, like holding it together with their rookie quarterback, the last three games, I think that essentially ends it. And I will give the credit to the three yards per carry guys on this as, as, you know, as optimistic as they've been at times and as upset as they've gotten at me about some of my pessimism, they pretty much called the season last week and they did it not so much based on the the Dolphins collapse, but just based on the math, like Mm -hmm. just based on the math that, you know, losing, you know, these conference games uh, that they lost and losing to Indianapolis when you had them beat, uh, that there were just too many teams involved. And so I think actually the, the, the thing that was just as bad as the Dolphins blowing that game to Indianapolis last week was Denver beating Pittsburgh simultaneously because that, That's true. that, was, that was not a result you expected and necessarily. And by Denver winning what was really the last really challenging game on their schedule, um, you know, the Broncos now, I, it depends if you trust Case Keenum or not. I mean, you, you could lose to anybody, I guess, but but they're playing much better. So I would put, to close here, I would put the Dolphins' chance to the playoffs. I'm not going to look at the math on it in this regard. I'm just going to make my own prediction. I would put it at 20%, maybe. Uh, would you be higher or lower than that? I'd be that? lower than that. I think too many too many better teams and too many and, and not enough spots. Like, it's all this. Everything we just talked about is for one spot. Like, unless Los Angeles completely falls apart, like, I, I just... And uh, 538, by the way, uh, makes it 7%. So, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say lower. I think there's too many difficult games left. I think they basically have to be perfect on the way in, that they have to be, you know, they have to finish 10-6 and six for me in order to guarantee themselves a spot. I just don't see how a team that has this many deficiencies gets to 10-6. and six. All right, so that's where we are, sort of where we started. They're not good, but they're not dead. Um, speaking of which, uh, we're going to transition a little bit this week. Um, instead of talking about the current teams, we'll have an episode with Tim Hardaway, former Heat point guard, coming up this week. His thoughts on playing for Pat Riley, playing with Alonzo Mourning, some of the stories. I'm also going to get to the bottom of whether or not he really told the Heat to draft Draymond Green. That's high on my list. Uh, and also uh, whether or not he or Mario Chalmers is the greatest point guard in Heat history. I think that's, <laughs> I think that, I think that's, that's a topic we certainly need to broach. Check out again the other podcasts in our network, and we'll talk to you soon. for listening to the fire in the pocket thank you so much sick of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 dollars more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.